the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4, as we're continuing our series, Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we can come again this morning. And Lord, we do ask that you would just work through the service now through your word. Lord, use it to speak to our hearts. And Father, I pray that as you speak, that we would be attentive. Uh, we would listen, Lord, but not just to listen, but may we act upon what it is that you speak to our hearts about. Uh, Lord, I know every person here has a different need. And only you can meet that need this morning through your spirit. And so, Father, I pray that you would work and that, Lord, you would just be magnified uh, through the hearts and lives this morning and the decisions that are made. And Lord, you'd help draw us closer to you. Lord, just bless now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we looked in verses 17 through 19. And as we began chapter 4, the uh, chapter 4 begins as Paul is telling us that we are to walk. There is a walk that we are supposed to have. And that walk is in unity. In verses 1 all the way basically through verse number 16, he talks about walking in unity as a body of believers, as the church. We're to walk in unity. And then in verse number 17, he begins and tells us that there is a second walk, and that is we are to walk in holiness. And again, we cannot walk in holiness if we're not walking in unity, right? I cannot walk in, uh, in holiness if I am in disaccord with my brother or sister, if I am uh, and I'm bitter or I'm arguing or whatever. I can't walk in holiness if I'm not walking in unity. And so the second walk that he speaks of here is walking in holiness. And again, we'll see as we go through this, but there is a, there is a call for an abandonment of the old way as we are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. We are to abandon the old way of living and we're to be working out this new way uh, in our personal life and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice as we look in verse number 20, this is kind of where we ended last week and thinking about this walk of holiness in verses 17 through 19 as we kind of began this. Um, as we see in verse number 20, he says, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And so verses 17 through 19, we, he says we are to not walk like the Gentiles walk. Right? There, is a, there is a walk that the Gentiles are walking in the vanity of their mind, and, and, and it's empty, and it's, it's all about self. And he says, look, as a Christian, we're not to walk that way. Right? There is a, there's a way of the world. There's a, a Gentile walk, an unsaved walk. But he says, for believers, we're to walk in holiness. 
right? We're to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. And so as he's been going through verses 17 to 19, saying, you know, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Don't do these things. Then he says in verse number 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. Now I want you to think about that for a second. He says, I don't want you to walk the way the Gentiles are walking. I want you to walk in holiness because the way the Gentiles walk is not what you learned of Christ. When we learn of Christ, we are going to learn of holiness. We're going to learn of righteousness. We're going to learn of truth. But I want you to look what he says here in verse number 20. Ye have not so learned Christ. Again, notice the emphasis on the mind. There's an emphasis on the mind. He says, you have not so learned Christ. Where does learning take place? Learning takes place in the mind, right? We're we're learning. We're taking in knowledge. We're learning things. And if there isn't a change of mind, notice this, if there's not a change of mind in the walk of the Gentiles that I'm supposed to leave that behind and I'm supposed to walk in holiness, if there's not a change of mind here, I'm not going to be able to walk in holiness, If I don't understand that there is two different ways that God sees here, if I don't grasp this, if I don't fully understand, hey, there is a way that the Gentiles are walking and God says, don't walk that way. And there is a way that God says Christians are supposed to walk and that is in holiness and this is how I'm supposed to walk. And if I don't separate these two, if, I don't, if I'm still trying to hold on to the walk of the Gentile and hold on to the walk of holiness, he says, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to have both. I mean, Jesus tells us in the gospel, he says, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll despise the one and love to hold to that one. He says, you can't serve two. And so Jesus is saying, look, when you understand you are learning Christ, You're learning Christ. This is taking place in the mind. There is a walk of the Gentiles. There is a walk that Christ has for us. Now, think about this. There is a difference between learning about Christ and learning Christ. He does not say you're learning about Christ. He says you're learning Christ. Learning about someone is basically just knowing facts about them. You can learn about George Washington You can learn about Winston Churchill. You can learn about Robert E. Lee. You can learn about all different types of people in the past. But can I tell you this? You cannot learn them. You cannot know them. Why? They're dead. They're dead. You can't can't learn them. You can't know them. And this is where the difference is. And this is why when we just sang, uh, we sang the song a a few minutes ago about uh, one day we're going to be at the Lord Jesus Christ. And we sang the song because he lives I can face tomorrow do you understand why the importance of the resurrection is so great because our savior is not dead he is alive and because he is alive guess what that means you can learn him you can know him you're not just knowing about him you're able to learn him you're able to know him but here's the thing there are many people who have learned about Christ but they do not know him personally They know about a man named Jesus. They know about a a baby that was born in Bethlehem. They know about a man that died on the cross. They know his name is Jesus. They, They know about him, but they do not know him personally. See, there's where the difference is. 
And Paul, as he's writing to the church of Ephesus, he says, look, there is this Gentile walk that is ungodly, it's in vanity, and then there is the walk of a Christian that is in holiness. And he says, the walk of the Gentile is not what you have learned Christ. As you know Christ, you know that's not what he desires for you. And so this morning, I want us to think about learning Christ. Learning Christ. Again, we're not, we're not trying to learn about him. We want to learn him. We want to, we want to know him. Now, again, the only way we can truly know him is by having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I tell you this morning, he wants you to know him. He doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to know him personally. You say, well, how can I know Jesus personally? I mean, isn't Jesus in heaven? Didn't Jesus die and was buried and rose again and he ascended up to heaven? Isn't he in heaven? Yes, he is. But friend, you can still know him personally because he is alive and he is God. And when, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're willing to admit that he is the only way of salvation and it's not through a religion, it's not through a church or a baptism or good works, and he comes to live in your life when you accept him by faith, and let me tell you something, you get to know him personally. There's a personal relationship that we have with him. But when we read through scripture, we have to remember how important punctuation is. Punctuation is very important when we're looking through Scripture. You notice when you begin reading in verse number 20, that, if we could say sentence or thought or the whole thing here, does not end until actually verse number 24 is where we find an actual period. In verse number 20, you have a semicolon at the end. In verse number 21, you have a colon. At the end of verse number 22, you have a, a semicolon. At the end of verse number 23, there's a semicolon. And then verse number 24, there's a period. So we have to understand this whole thing from verse number 20 to verse number 24 is all working together, right? We can't try to separate them and say, well, this one verse over here is for this and everything else is right. No, they're working together here. And he says, you have not so learned Christ. And so he's talking about learning Christ, but then he's going to explain how they learned Christ, right? How did they learn Christ? How did they know Christ? Because again, remember, Paul is writing to the Ephesians, right? He's writing to those in Ephesus, I, I'm pretty certain that most of the people in Ephesus probably never met Jesus physically on the earth when Jesus was in Israel. Again, Ephesus is a, far, a long ways away. So how is he able to tell these people in Ephesus, again, he says, look, they've never physically laid eyes on Jesus Christ. They were not there at his birth, they were not there at his life, they were not there at his death, they were not there at his resurrection, they were not there at his ascension, but yet he says they have learned Christ. How did they learn Christ? Well, he tells us. Look in verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Notice he says there's two things that took place for these believers to learn Christ, to know him. Notice, first of all, it says they heard him. They heard him? That's what he says. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him. Now, wait a minute. If these believers were never in Israel, these, these believers, many of them mostly Gentiles in Ephesus, 
How were they able to be taught by him if Jesus Christ has already ascended into heaven? Well, think with me about this. Paul knew exactly what they had learned because Paul had been the one to teach them. Paul had been the one in Ephesus. He had been in Ephesus for two years teaching and preaching about Jesus Christ. Paul, on his missionary journeys, would go to city to city, and he would preach about Jesus Christ, and he would teach about Jesus Christ, and and so that people could have a personal relationship with him, with Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, in fact, in his farewell speech to them, in Acts chapter 20, he says in verse number 20 and 21, he says, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I I preached Jesus to you. I taught Jesus to you. I showed you who he was and, and, and proclaimed him to you. And you believed in him. You put your faith and trust in him. And again, he shows us very clearly that, that salvation is not different for Jews and Gentiles. It, salvation is the same for every person. There's not one way of salvation for a certain group over here and one way of salvation for a certain group over here. It's the same as by faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. That's what it is. For, for Jew, Gentile, Greek, it's, it's the same. And I think it's pretty safe to say that Paul probably taught them a little more than just salvation. He was there for two years. This was one of the longest places that Paul spent on his missionary journey, two years. Again, when you read about the the teachings of the Apostle Paul, you'll find out that he taught a lot more than salvation. Now, salvation is important, but he taught more about Jesus Christ. He taught about who Jesus was and how we can know him and how we can walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So I think it's safe to say that he probably taught them a little more than just salvation. It's obvious that he taught them about sanctification and as they were growing in Christ and what they needed to do to to learn Christ, to, to truly follow Jesus Christ as their Savior. If we're going to learn Christ, then we have to be willing to listen. He says, you heard him. When God speaks to our heart, are we listening? When God speaks to our heart, are we willing to listen to what he says? Are we willing to truly listen in our heart? Now you say, well, hey, I'm already saved. I already know Jesus Christ is my Savior, right? That's already taken care of. Well, that's great. Praise the Lord. I'm super happy for you. That's the most important decision you can ever make in your life. But are you still listening to him? I mean, I'm glad you listened when the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin and you recognized that Jesus was the only way, but are you still listening to him? Because if you're not listening to him, then you're not learning him. If you're not listening to him, you're not knowing him more and more every day. You see, it's not just enough to say, yes, I'm saved and I know him personally. That's great. That is important. But his desire is for us to grow in him. Watch the second thing he says. He says, not only did you hear him, but you were taught by him. Think about what he says here. And have been taught by him. Again, to learn Christ is to know him personally. But now that we know him personally, we have to listen to him. The word taught here, when he says you were taught by him, has the idea of instruction. We were taught, we were instructed by him. Now, Please, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. 
Again, they did not hear Jesus. You and I cannot physically hear Jesus. So how are we able to be taught by him? Well, it's very simple. It's through his word. Through his word, we're able to read and hear what Jesus has to say. That is instruction. And when we, when we look at this, we can say, well, Ephesians, that's Paul. Paul is writing. Or, or Philippians, that's Paul writing. Or, or Peter, that's Peter writing. Or, or the, the book of John, that's John writing. Friend, we have to understand, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every word in this book is God's word. This is not Paul's word or Peter's word or David's word or Moses' word. This is God's word. God is the one that inspired these men what to pen. They are not the author. God is the author. They are simply the penmen that God used to write down his words. So when we think about how are we able to be taught by him, it is through his word that is instruction. You think about this. A, when a, a child is in school, a teacher they have a goal for their students. And by the end of the year, their desire is to take their students from where they started to the goal that they have for them at the end of the year. A teacher has that goal, right? It doesn't matter if you're in public school or Christian school or you're homeschooled by your, your mom or dad. Their goal is to take you from one spot to where they want you to be at by the end of the year, okay? That's, that's what a teacher's goal is, Right? But here's the thing, the student does not know what the goal is. Only the teacher knows. Only the teacher truly knows where the goal is for that child by the end of the year. Now, here's the thing about teachers. Teachers understand who they're teaching. They understand that every child is not the same. They understand that one child is going to pick up on things a lot faster than another child is. One child may not learn quite as quickly as another child, or they might learn in a different way as another child. And so a teacher says, hey, my goal is for you to get here at the end of the year, but can I tell you this, it may not be exactly the same for both students. One student may learn more hands-on, where another student learns, learns more verbal. They, they hear it. Man, they hear it, they pick it up, right? I was neither. I just couldn't figure it all out, you know? I mean, you know, anybody else like that? You know, I mean, you can do it hands-on. You can have it verbal. I mean, the teacher can tell it to you five times. You're like, you can tell it ten more times, but it's still not sinking in. You know, that, that was me. I mean, I struggled with school, yeah? But I am glad that my teacher had a goal for me. I'm glad that there was a goal at the end. They said, this is where I want you to get to. I didn't understand how I was going to get there. I didn't know how it was all going to work, but I'm glad they had it figured out right? And so through that year, there is instruction that is being given. I didn't know what the goal was. The student does not know what the goal is, but the teacher does. And here's the thing. The student doesn't have to know what the goal is. They just need to listen and learn. They need to listen to the teacher. They need to let the teacher instruct them and let the teacher take them through the process to be able to meet the goal that the teacher has for them at the end of the year. And may I say, in the same way, we are being instructed by Christ. This is what he says. We have been taught by him. We need to get to know him better each day. How are we able to be taught by the Lord Jesus Christ? 
It's as we read his word, as we commune with him in prayer, as we walk with him day by day, then he is able to work in us and through us. You understand that it's the same way. I don't understand, I don't know the end goal that God has for my life. Neither do you. You don't know what the goal is, but God does. And Jesus Christ is trying to instruct us. He's saying, hey, there is a plan that I have for you. I'm trying to bring you along. I'm trying to bring you through this process because there is a goal that I have for you. And if you'll just listen to me, if you'll let me teach you, if you'll let me instruct you, then I can bring you along to where you need to be. And here's the great thing about it. Every Christian is different. Isn't that wonderful? We, we don't all learn the same way, right? Some, some people can read the book of John like, man, I got to figure it out. I, I know it. Other people, they read it 10 times. They're like, I'm still on John chapter 1, verse number 1. You know, I mean, it's not always going to be the same. But that's all right because the Holy Spirit knows that. He knows what we need to be able to learn. But the question is, are we listening and are we allowing him to instruct us? Because if we're not listening He's not going to be able to teach us. If we're not allowing him to instruct us, we're never going to reach the goal that we have. He has a goal for us. But here's what's really interesting. Unlike a child in school, Jesus actually tells us what the goal is for us. He's not trying to hide it. He actually tells us what his goal is for us. Are you ready for it? It doesn't matter if you're a teenager. It doesn't matter if you're a middle age. It doesn't matter if you're a senior. It doesn't matter if you're a young person. God says, hey, every one of you are on this journey of life that I have for you. And God says, there is a goal that I have. There is a specific goal that I have for every single one of you. You want to know what it is? He tells us it's to be like him it's to be like Jesus that's called sanctification we're every day working to try to be more like Jesus Christ and again that might be hey it might be hey whether you're whether you're at work in your job situation whether you're uh, in sales or whether you're in a manufacturing plant or maybe you're at home or you're a housewife or whatever it is God's goal for every single one of us no matter who we are is to be like Jesus Christ but let me let me let me ask you this there's only one person that can teach us how to be like Jesus Christ it's Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the only one who can teach us how to be like him. And this is what he's saying. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to help you to learn me. I'm trying to help you to become more like me. Are we listening? Are we allowing him to instruct us? Because as we go through life, he's trying to help us to become like him in that sanctification process. And so many times we just, we don't want to listen. Right? We don't want to listen. We don't want the instruction, right? I don't know if maybe you're a, a homeschool mom or maybe you're a teacher or maybe you just know this because you have a kid that's like this, right? But how many of you have a, have a child or you know of a child or you taught a child that they just thought they knew everything, right? Yeah, I see a lot of mom's hands up, right? Yeah, you just, they just thought they knew everything. <laughs> and how many times did you just want to just hold their cheeks together. 
and tell them you don't know it all. I wonder how many times God wants to do that to us. Well, I think I know what's best for my life, and God says, you don't know it all. Well, no, my way is better. You don't know it all. You see, that's our problem. We don't think God can teach us anything. But the only way we can learn Christ is to allow him to teach us and instruct us so that we can be like him. And this is what his desire is. Again, that walk of holiness. He's saying, look, you want to you see holiness? Look at Jesus Christ. That's, that's the example there. And so this is what his desire is. Now watch what he says here at the end of verse number 21. He says, we have heard him. We've been taught by him. But notice he says, as the truth is in Jesus. As the truth is in Jesus. He does not say the truth is in a religion. He does not say the truth is in a person other than Jesus Christ. He doesn't say it's in your mom or your dad. He doesn't say it's in your grandparents. He doesn't say it's in your pastor. He doesn't say it's in a, a political system. No, he says the truth is in Jesus. So if we want to know truth, guess who we have to know? We have to know Jesus. If we want to know what is true, we have to know Jesus. They had learned that to be a Christian is to have Christ in them living out his life through theirs every day. That's what it means to be a Christian. We think what it means to be a Christian is I'm saved, now I get to do whatever I want to do. That's not what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means, yes, I am saved, and I am saved now, and Jesus Christ is living in me, and the reason that he is living in me is so that he can live his life through me every day, so that he can live through me, so that every day as he is living through me, guess what? I'm learning more about him. Every day, I'm being taught by him. Every day, I'm being instructed by him. Every day, I'm learning a little bit more what it means to learn Christ, to be like Christ. The truth is in him. He had been in Ephesus for years teaching these things. And this is where it gets hard. This is where it gets hard for Christians, I believe. He says, the truth is in Jesus. And here's the problem. We don't want the truth. We don't want the truth. Now I know every single person there here this morning saying, well, I want the truth. I do. I, I want the truth. Do we really? Do we really want the truth? We say we do, but I'm afraid we really don't. Because the truth in Jesus is that he wants us to live like him. He wants to live through us, but we don't want that. That's why we fight it. We balk 
at him living through us. We make excuses about it. We argue with him over it. You say, well, you kind of sound like you're pretty familiar with this. Yeah, I am, because I'm just like you. Because when God speaks to our heart about something, what do we do? No, I'm just not going to do that. We begin to fight him. We begin to argue with him like we know what's better. We begin to say, hey, student to the teacher, you don't know anything, I know more. We begin to balk at it and say, no, that's not what I want to do. We want, we want to start fighting with him over it. You just don't know what's best for me. Come on, we've all done it. All of us have done it. Why? Because we don't want the truth. We want what we want. We want to live how we want to live. And when God speaks to our heart and says, hey, I want you to leave aside the walk of the Gentile and the vanity and the wickedness and the worldliness and live a holy life, we balk at that. We argue with God about that. We don't want to do that. Why? Because we're still enjoying the worldly life. Well, it might cost me something, Lord. Uh, somebody might get upset with me if I, if I live more like you. Somebody might get mad at me. Somebody might say something about me. What difference does it make? If he is saying, I'm trying to help you to learn Christ, I'm trying to teach you, I'm trying to instruct you because here's the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus Christ. The goal is sanctification and Christ-likeness. This is why he says that we are ordained to be like his son, Jesus Christ. There's the goal. And he's trying to bring us along through this. And instead of listening and instead of yielding and letting him instruct us, we fight back. And we say, no, I don't want that. And this is why we have Christians that are not willing to, to do what God wants. This is why, you understand, in, in, in our country, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for America. America used to be a country that was sending the gospel out around the world. I mean, missionaries were going out around the world. Do you know now, it, we're, we're, we're not even breaking even now. There are more missionaries returning and coming off the fields than there are missionaries going to the fields anymore. But we're a Christian nation filled with Christian churches all over America today. Well, why don't we have more people surrendering? Why don't we have more people yielding to God? Well, because we don't want the walk of holiness. We want to keep walking the Gentile walk. And this is what Jesus says. This is what Paul is telling the Ephesians. If you're still walking the Gentile walk, you, do, you did not learn that about Christ. You did not learn that of Christ. That is something that is still hanging on from before you met Christ, right? That's, it's hanging on from the old life. Now watch what he says, because he's just building up here, right? We don't want to learn Christ because we're afraid of what it's going to cost us. We don't want to learn Christ, right? And this is what he's saying. We're not just to change our minds about things. We have to have a complete change because we are a new man, 
We are a new man. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the question is, are we willing to completely abandon the old life for the new life? Are we willing to completely abandon the old life, the Gentile life, the Gentile walk for the new life in Christ, this walk of holiness? Are we willing to do that? Because watch what he says. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So what is the truth? Here it is. You ready for it? Again, notice there's not a period at the end of the verse. It's a colon. He's going to give a list of things. Here it is. This is the truth. What is the truth? That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. You want to walk in truth? You want to learn Christ? Is that, what, that should be our desire as a Christian. As a Christian, my desire is to be, I want to learn Christ. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal he has set for me. The truth is in Jesus Christ. So what is the truth? This is what he says. Put off the life of the old man. Put off the life of the old man. What was the old man? Well, we just read that up in verses 17, 18, and 19, right? The walk of the Gentile, the vanity of the mind, their understanding being darkened, alienated from the life of God, ignorant, right? That's the life of the old man. He says, hey, this is the truth. You want to follow Jesus Christ, you want to learn Christ, you want to be like Jesus Christ, Put off the old man. Stop hanging on to the old man. Let it go. Let it go. Now, now here's the thing. We have to understand, when we got saved, yes, we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. The old man just doesn't disappear. It'd be great if it did. But he doesn't. We have to battle the old man every single day. And this is why he's saying, hey, if you're going to learn Christ, if you're going to learn Christ, then every day you're going to have to put off the old man. Every day there's going to be a battle. Every day there's going to be a battle. Am I going to be instructed by Christ? Am I going to let Christ teach me? Or am I going to just go back to the walk of the Gentile? Which walk am I going to do today? Am I going to walk the walk of the Gentile or am I going to walk in holiness? You see, you choose. You choose every day which walk you're walking in. But the truth is, Jesus said, if you want to know the truth, if you want to walk the walk that Jesus says to walk, he says, put off the old man. Can I ask you this morning, are there things that you need to put off from the old man that you're still doing today? Are there things that you need to put off from the old man that you're still involved in today? That you know, you know it's the, from the old man. You know it's not something that Christ is pleased with. You know it's not something that's helping you to become more like Jesus Christ. You know you need to put it off, but you're still holding on to it. The longer you hold on to it, the less you become like Christ. You've got to let it go. That's why he says, put off the old man. And watch what he says here. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation. By the way, the word conversation there refers to our lifestyle, 
right? Our lifestyle, not just our speech, but everything, our actions, our lifestyle. And he says, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. He says that old lifestyle, the old man is corrupted. By the way, that's one of the reasons why God says he's going to give us a new body one day. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. It's going to be great when that old nature is done away with and we're giving a new body in Jesus Christ, a new glorified body. But he says until that time, we're going to battle with this old flesh. And he says we've got to put that old man off. It's just like, you know, Every day you can put on clothes or you can take off clothes, right? You're going to put off something and you're going to put something else on. That's what he's saying. It's putting off. It's taking off the old man and putting on the new man, right? The old man, look, he says it's corrupt. It's corrupt. It's, it's ruined. You, you don't want to put on what is ruined. You don't want to put on that which is destroyed. It's deceitful, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's messed up. Yesterday, after we got done paintballing, there was a lot of ruined clothes. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm proud that I had a part in that, okay? <laughs> no, I remember yesterday when I walked in the house, I mean, I had, I, well, there was mud all over me. We were laying in the mud, uh, shooting people with the paintball guns and everything. I mean, it, I was not clean. And my wife was very thankful that I did not just stay in those clothes all day. Walking around the house, sitting on the furniture. She's very thankful that I changed clothes. What I do? I put off that which was dirty. I put off that which was corrupt, and I put on something clean. I put on something fresh. This is what he's saying. Every day, we have to put off that old, corrupt, dirty man. We've got to put it off, and we put on something new that is created in holiness and true righteousness in the image of Jesus Christ. But it's your choice. You choose whether you're going to walk around in dirty, filthy, decayed man, or you're going to put on that which is new. You choose. You choose whether you're going to walk the walk of the Gentile, or you're going to walk in holiness. And that's why he says we must be renewed, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Every day we have to be renewed. Every day we need to know what he has done for us. Man, what a great uh, song that we sang this morning. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Yeah, we don't know what's going to come, but because he's living, because of what he's done for us, we can face it knowing that he's in control. When you think about what Jesus Christ did for you and dying on the cross for your sin and my sin and being willing to, to forgive us of our sin and not just forgive us, but to give us eternal life and give us a, a home with him for all of eternity and, and all the blessings that he's given to us, how could we say, hey, you know what? I don't want the new man. I don't want this one in, in, in righteousness and holiness. I want to go back to the old corrupt man that could not offer salvation, that left me dead in sin, and that's where I want to stay as a Christian. Why are so many Christians walking the Gentile walk when God says we ought to be walking in holiness? Why are we here in the corrupt, dead, sinful nature when he says, hey, I've given you a new nature. You don't have to walk in corruption. You don't have to walk in deceit. You can walk in righteousness and holiness. And every day we get to make this choice. Every day we get to choose, am I going to walk the way that is dead and corrupt or am I going to walk in that which is holy and true? You choose. So how do I choose? Because every day God's saying, which one are you going to walk today? I want you to walk this way. And our flesh says, I want to walk that way. There's a battle every day. And it doesn't get easier, friend. 
Every day there's a battle. Which one are you going to walk in? That's why it says you need to learn Christ. You need to learn Christ. You need to walk with him. Because, friend, can I tell you, he's the only one that can give us the power that we need through his spirit to be able to live the life that he wants us to live. To walk in holiness and true righteousness. This is what he says. Look in verse number 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You understand, these are the opposite of what he just said of the old man. The old man is corrupt. The old man is deceitful. He says the new man is in righteousness. The new man is in holiness. Righteousness is, is how, we, how we kind of portray ourselves to other people. Man, we can live right before other people when we're walking in holiness. Holiness is our, our attitude with God. We are able to, to walk in holiness and, and set apart from all the things of the world when we put on the new man. But it's a choice that we have to make. And this is why Paul is writing to the Ephesians saying, look, hey, I'm telling you, this is such an important thing. You need to walk in unity. But the second thing you need to do is you need to walk in holiness. If we're going to be uh, the uh, examples of Jesus Christ, if the world is going to look at us and say, hey, who's a Christian? I'm a Christian. Who knows Jesus? I know Jesus as my Savior. All right, let me see how you walk. Let me see how you walk. You see, anybody can claim to be a Christian. There's lots of people that claim to be a Christian. Again, they don't even know who Jesus is. They know about him, but they don't know him personally. But those that truly do know him, they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're saying, all right, let me see how you walk. Do you walk like a Christian? Are you walking like a Christian? Well, that person just caused a split at that church. They got offended. Somebody didn't like what they were wearing. Somebody didn't like what they said, or they didn't shake their hand. They got offended. What they do? They cause a split. That's really walking in unity, right? Well, I didn't. You know, I'm just gonna just gonna live my life the way I live it. I, I don't really care about what Jesus said. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna live how I want. Well, that's really walking in holiness. You understand? He's saying you, as a Christian, it is so vital that we live this way. Not for ourselves. He's not saying we do this for ourselves so that somehow we're better in the eyes of God, that somehow we're more spiritual. No, no, no. The reason why he wants us to walk in unity and he wants us to walk in holiness is to be an example to the rest of the world of what a true Christian is. Hey, why can we take the Bible and say, hey, look at what Jesus said here. Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. Look at what he did over here. Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. I mean, he was the perfect example. We were able to look at his life. We are able to look at what he said and see those things. This is what he's saying. Hey, the world is going to look at you. The world is going to look and say, okay, what did they say there? What are they talking about over there? What are they talking about with all those guys got together? What were those dirty jokes they were talking about? That's a Christian? What, what, what were they looking at on their phone? That's a Christian? Hello? This is the world looking at us. Why? Why do we want the world to look at us? Because we want them to see Jesus. We want them to see Jesus. Look, we are not Jesus. I understand that. But Jesus Christ is desires to live through us so that they can see him living in us. 
So they can say, hey, you know what? I remember what that person was like before he met Jesus. He had a foul mouth. I mean, he couldn't say anything nice. I mean, he was always angry. I mean, he was never a, never a nice person. But man, all of a sudden he met this guy named Jesus. And man, Jesus changed his life. And now, man, I mean, he talks nice and he has a smile on his face and, and he's, he's whistling and singing. I mean, there's something different about this guy. Something that no, nothing, I mean, there was, we didn't think there was any hope for this guy, but something changed him. And he says it, it was Jesus that changed him. Do you understand why he says, as a Christian, we are to walk in unity, walk in holiness, to learn Christ? So let me ask you this morning, are you learning Christ? Are you letting him teach you? Are you letting him instruct you? Are you listening to him? You understand his goal is Christ-likeness. The truth is in him. Are we allowing that truth to be seen in our life? Are we putting off the old man, being renewed in our spirit day by day? Are we putting on the new man so that we can day by day be more like Jesus Christ? Or have we as Christians just said, well, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, I'm saved, you know, don't ask me to do anything else, God. I got my own plans. I got my own ideas. I got my, this, this is me. God, my life, leave me alone. Friend, if that's how you're living, if that's the life that you're living as a Christian, you're going to be miserable. If that's the life you're living as a Christian and you keep rejecting and rejecting and rejecting what God has for you, do you understand what you're saying? You're saying, God, I do not care that your son came to die for me. I do not care what you have done for me. I will live my life the way I want to live it. I know you're God, but you don't know what's best for me. I do. And we fail to allow Jesus Christ to live through us. And what happens? Because of choosing to live the way we want to, others are never able to see Jesus. You say, well, it just affects me. No, it doesn't. It affects those who are watching you. It affects those who are seeing, this guy says he's a Christian. This lady says she's a Christian. Are they really? What does that mean? Well, I look at their life and I don't see any difference. They talk the same way I talk. They use the same filthy words that I use. They talk about the same things that I talk about. They don't even like their own brothers and sisters in Christ. They're always talking bad about them at work and everything. Must not be any different. Must not be anything that I need. Oh, friend, there is a great call to you and I as Christians, not just to walk in unity, but to walk in holiness, to learn Christ, to let him teach us and instruct us so that we can be more and more like Jesus Christ, allowing him to live through our life so that he is seen and not us. I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed. No one looking about this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Wonder friend, may I ask you this morning, are you learning Christ? Does it bother you that you're not? Does it bother you that you're still more concerned about the old man and the Gentile than you are the putting on the new man? 
the walk of holiness. We make every excuse in the world why not to walk in holiness. We make every excuse in the world why not to put on the new man. Friend, can I tell you, there is no excuse. There is no excuse that you can give to God not to walk in holiness as a Christian. There's no excuse that you can give to God not to put on the new man. He's given the new man to you. It's in in righteousness and holiness. And we choose to stay in the filthy, dirty, old man of the flesh and walk the Gentile walk. How honoring to the Lord do you think that is when all that He has done for you Are we learning Christ? Are we allowing Him to live through us so that we can become more and more like Him? Friend, maybe you're here this morning and say, I don't know know Jesus as my Savior. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died. I'm not sure where I'd go. I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure if I'd go to hell. I really don't know. But I would like to know how I could go to heaven. I'd like to know how I could have my sins forgiven. You say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. In my heart this morning, I know that's me. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you this morning. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Friend, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. But just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I've ever accepted Jesus as my Savior. Just put your hand up, put it right back down. Nobody else is looking about. And friend, let me ask you this morning. You say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know there's a time in my life where I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Praise the Lord, friend. I'm so happy for you. Most important decision you can ever make in your life. But now, now that you're saved, Are you learning Jesus? Are you learning Christ? Are you walking in a way that pleases Him in the new man? Putting off the old man. Maybe there's some things this morning that God's speaking to your heart. You need to put that off. That's that's still part of the old man. You need to let that go. Put it off. Put on the new man. Righteousness and holiness. Allow him to teach us and instruct us so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray you'd help us as Christians. How we, there's such a great need for Christians, Lord, to, to walk in the new man. Lord, unfortunately, the world is full of Christians who are walking in the old man. We're not learning Christ. We're not allowing you to teach us and instruct us. Instead, we're just doing what we want. And Lord, forgive us for that. And Lord, help us to put off the old man, to be renewed in the Spirit day by day, and put on the new man that we might allow you to live through us, that others may not see us, but that they would see Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help us in this? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's